If you'll pray with me and for me, I'll be praying with you and for you. Let's pray. (sighs) Father, I just thank you so much um, for your faithfulness and your goodness. God, I pray, I don't know, Lord, that you'd reveal yourself to people today. Father, it's just, uh, man, we need you. We need to know that you are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Moses, God, that you're that same God. Lord Jesus, we need to know, um, man, that you're as, as real as you were uh, to P- uh, Peter the day he walked out on water. Lord, we need you. We just ask that you would move in this place, God. I pray that, um, man, in whatever ways people need, whatever walls they need broken down, whatever things need to happen in order for them to, uh, for all of us to come into a deeper understanding of you, Father, I just pray that you would, uh, would do that. I thank you so much, Father. Lord, I ask humbly, uh, my mind is scattered today. I set it in the back, and I'll say it now. I just pray you would help it to, to stay focused, and uh, Lord, that I would preach your word, and only your word, and I wouldn't get in the way. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. All right. How are you? Yeah, I bet it's because it's Super Bowl Sunday, huh? Hey, uh, well, welcome to The Remnant. My name's Todd. I'm the pastor here, so really good to see you guys. If it's your first time here in a while, or you weren't here last week, or it's your first time in general, well, first of all, let me tell you, you guys are going to notice I'm doing this a lot. I'm OCD, and somebody messed with my microphone. And because of that, it's all fitting on my ear weird, and it feels funny. So let's just get that out in the open now. I'm going to be doing that a lot. It's going to take weeks to fix it. Anyway, uh, the series that we're in is called, um, <laughs> it's not up there, but it's called Conversations. And, um, man, it's one of those days. There we go. Conversations. And what is Conversations? Conversations is an opportunity where... We're going to let people in this congregation share their story. And the moment in their lives when God intersected with their lives. Listen, it's not just one moment, right? Numerous times throughout our life, God is moving in your life. Did you know that? Even if you're in here today and you say, I'm not a Christian, you're here for a reason. And that's because God is consistently and continuously moving in your life. That he desires to shape you, grow you, uh, love you, transform you, make you more like him. And last week we talked about Uh, AJ's story, and this week we're going to talk about uh, Tim and Jill, Jones. You know them. They're the Joneses that we can't keep up with. Get it? Keep up with the Joneses? Man, you guys are slow to... Ernie's like, finally, 30 seconds later. That's good. Listen, um, they're dear friends of mine, if you guys know that, personal friends of mine on top of being people I serve with in the church. So uh, I'm very, very thankful that they have been willing to invite us into a very sensitive uh, part of their story. Now, some of you may know it. I'll be honest with you. They are some of my closest friends, and I did not know all of it, which makes me feel really bad. Because when when this happened, it was early on in our friendship, I wasn't as deeply into their lives. So I learned things. And this moment, though, it's not not the, the biggest story of their life, and I'm sure they would tell you that too. It's not what characterizes their marriage or their family. It is something, oh man, that is, uh, the best word I can say is a sensitive time in their life. Not just their journey as individuals, though it affects them, but their journey as a couple, a married couple, even their family as a whole. So, as I mentioned before, all of these conversations will be eventually on our website at www.theremnant.life slash conversations. You'll be able to see the entire thing. Um, But for time's sake, we won't be playing the entire thing for you guys, so you'll have to go. You should watch it, though. It's really good. It's about 30 minutes. But today um, is not going to be the whole thing. So we're going to start their journey today. Uh, and I'll tell you the time, in 2014. So 2014, um, when after already having three beautiful children, um, and Jill had finished up some schooling, and so they were kind of at another, uh, I guess, stable place in their life, and ready to 
you know, her words earlier, she says she, she finally talked him into um, uh, growing their family, having another baby. And that's where we're going to pick up their story. Now, listen, as I said, this story is much longer. I'm just, honestly, like, we're diving in about 15 minutes in, so there's a lot of good stuff at the beginning. Um, and I encourage you to go see that. But we're going to pick this up in 2014, and you're gonna, it's going to open right up. So you're going to pay attention right away as Jill kind of continues that story. Um, and we'll, we'll wrap it up together after that. It's a bit of a long one today, but listen, I'm here anyway preaching. So this, just picture it this way. You get to hear at least half of it without me talking, right? Ryan, that excites you. All right, let's move on. Um, so um, once we finally found out I was pregnant, um, I was starting to have complications at 10 weeks. Um, now, had you had anything like that with the other kids? Like, or was that abnormal? That, um, that early on was yeah, abnormal. Okay. Yeah. So um, I was actually at work when I was having issues and um, ended up having Tim come pick me up from work that day. And then by the time we had gotten home, um, I thought I had miscarried, um, which was weird. Um, I actually ended up miscarrying two days after that. Um, so when we called the doctor and just kind of let her know um, that we thought we had miscarried, um, she was just like, well, everything should kind of pass on its own. Just call if you have any problems. Um, so I stayed home the next day. Um, actually, I was with Mandy all day long, and I felt okay. Um, but then, like, it just was getting, like, more painful and things. So I ended up calling her and just letting her know that I was having severe pain again. Um, so she actually wanted me to go in and see her the following day for an appointment. She said that way if we needed to go in and have surgery to remove all the remnants that um, we could get that taken care of. Um, so when I went in, she checked just to make sure that there wasn't a heartbeat and there wasn't, but she wanted to send me for an ultrasound. Um, gosh, that was a roller coaster ride in itself um, because we had thought we had miscarried. And so when we went in for this ultrasound, um, as soon as she put the probe on, you could see Jackson in there, heart beating, everything wow. full fully developed as it should be at 10 weeks. Um, so I literally just started bawling because it's just not what I expected. At yeah, that sort point. of a roller coaster where you think it it's was. not and then you're back. And, yep. Yeah. So they did find out that I was having issues because I had um, an internal bleed in there, which they said could potentially heal on its own. Um, but then I started running a fever the following day and then started having severe pain again. And by the time I got taken to the hospital with my sister. Um, we illegally drove all of our kids in the van <laughs> to the hospital. And by the time we got there, um, we had called Tim on the way and just let him know that we were going. Um, by the time he got there, um, he made it just in time. I miscarried within like five, 10 minutes of him getting there. Um, it was actually kind of cool because my mom's an OB nurse. So she was in there um, with me the whole time and she actually caught him in, in her hand. Um, such a surreal moment, um, probably for her and myself. Um, so yeah, I guess that's kind of where that goes from there. Yeah. Anything else you want me to like specify? Yeah, no, I think that's good for them to kind of know the overall, mm -hmm. like what happened. Um, I think, you know, you're handling it really well, and um, but I want to dig a little deeper because I know you. And so can you take us back, you know, maybe you can go back there, what were you feeling? You know, first of all, your 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 emotions, mm -hmm. but then with that, your faith. What was going on? Yeah. What did that? Um, 
Honestly, I didn't know what was going on at the time. Um, I literally thought I was going to bleed out and die. That's what I thought. It was so bad. Um, but then I look back and I realize it was because I was literally having a baby. Um, and I've had the other three all natural, so I know what that feels like, but it was just not what I expected it to be. So I literally thought I was going to just lay there and die. Um, so when, um, I guess like going through all of it, like faith-wise, um, it was hard because I didn't, I think, like, I questioned, like, after the fact, after we miscarried, it was more like, okay, maybe that was God's sign that we shouldn't have tried again. Um, so it took a long time for me to actually, like, okay, yes, we can we can try again. So he was supportive through all of that and didn't say, yeah, okay, that was our sign. We shouldn't have done it. But it was more of, you know, we're going to regret not trying um, versus trying and, you know, starting over. So... I think one of the things that uh, I learned through this process with you guys, and I wasn't even involved in, I didn't know as well then as now, but is, you know, you still feel that, right? Mm -hmm. The emotions of that, that um, I was telling them, I hope it's okay to share this, one of the most surreal things for me, uh, clearly, you know, pro-life as it were against abortion, but seeing, uh, seeing him and seeing fully formed hands and fully formed feet mm -hmm. and you know, seeing that is surreal because I know that they allow abortions at that age. So for me, the emotion of that, of being like, this is not, because I think going into it, you know, when you think of miscarriage at a certain age, I think it's even within us where you're like, eh, you know, we know it's life, but also, but this is, to me, was really eye-opening. I can still see it in my head now of, man, this was life. And, you know, that hasn't gone away for you. It's, it's like losing a child. Mm -hmm. um, so what... You know, when I think back in here, the, I kind of forgot the part of the story where, you know, you thought you had a miscarriage, and then, oh, well, there's hope again, mm -hmm. and then down again. Was that really hard? Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I don't even know how to explain that. Um, that was just horrible. I wouldn't wish I was my worst enemy. <laughs> what was your perspective, maybe, of Jill or your own thoughts? What was going on for you as far as even spiritually? What are some of the challenges or, you know, any of that? Maybe it's hard to even remember. But. Well, even like she said, even before um, we decided to try, she mentioned like I had concerns about her even trying because, no, we didn't necessarily have major complications with the other kids, but she was having them sooner and sooner mm -hmm. each time, which the doctor was saying her body was kind of becoming weaker with each kid. Mm -hmm. So with, with Lucy, she had to be bedridden, and she couldn't get up, otherwise... Lucy could have came way early, and so I had the you know the same concerns that you know that something like that could have happened. So I came into it with like you know a fear that that could happen, but also like okay, I'm trying to trust that that won't. And then for her own well-being, yeah, like I don't know what's going to happen with her from just a medical perspective because like she said, she didn't know if she was just bleeding out or whatever. Um, and I think that something similar even happened with Miles, mm -hmm. where we were like, the, the bleeding won't stop after Miles was born. So I never blamed God for any of, like, even that fear or anything, um, which, you know, I think it, you know, is a testament that, you know, I, I, I chose to trust through it, but it was still difficult. It was still hard. Mm -hmm. Still a lot of fear and, like, wondering what is going to happen. 
with, you know, with my wife, with my kid. I, I didn't know. So, yeah, you really, you literally don't know. Don't know. You're really helpless in those situations. Do you remember, because you, you were seeing Jill from the outside, do you remember conversations or anything um, about that after, the months after, the year after of, of what that, I don't know, I'm just trying to get even an understanding of what that must have felt like emotionally, and then how do you deal with that with your faith and the frustration and the confusion? You kind of said, like, what was the purpose of that even, right? I'm sure there were times, like, why did this even happen? Right. Um, I remember just a lot of, um, you know, the way you would mourn anybody, random moments of you just to totally feel sad, mournful, and you don't know why, right? And you know, I remember I, I wrote her a poem to remind her, you know, because I, I kept thinking, like, he's with God now. You know, he's dancing up with God in heaven. And, you know, it sound, like, that can sound cliche or whatever, right? But, like, That's I real. Be yeah. believe that it there's hope that we will see him again. And so instead of taking his, you know, his birthday, right, as something that's mournful, we, we try to celebrate it now as something like, let's remember, mm -hmm. you know, he, he would be five years old mm -hmm. this year, right? Mm -hmm. He's with Jesus now. Like, let's not forget, he's still part of the family. And, you know, we believe he's up in heaven. So. Yeah. And so that's, and I was going to say that, and you guys, I mean, that's how you view it, right? I mean, that, 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 that was your son. Mm -hmm. We still both view it that way, yeah. What were some of the challenges, Jill, for you, maybe? Um, there are people out there that go through the same thing. And as a woman who's carrying it versus the husband, there's still a difference in that, right? Yeah. Was, it, was that challenging ever at times for you emotionally versus maybe how Tim was handling it? Yeah. And what, what maybe describe some of what maybe that was like? Um, it, was, it was hard because I felt like... When a, you know, a mom knows they're pregnant, like it's almost like it's an immediate connection mm -hmm. um, that you have. And, and at that point, like I know it's different for the dad because, you know, they can't see any changes. They can't see any physical changes or anything. They can't feel the baby, things like that. So, and at that point, we hadn't even been to a doctor's appointment to hear a heartbeat or anything like that. So um, for me, like I felt like I was super connected and I felt like he didn't care as much mm -hmm. so we had actually had discussed um the way I was feeling and mm -hmm. um so it was just trying to understand that even though I'm taking you know healing differently um that he's processing it differently and going through that as well um so a lot of times it was easier um to be able to share with Mandy as well. Um, so Mandy went through this journey quite a bit with me, but um, just to be able to like talk with her about how I was feeling as a woman. Um, not that I wouldn't share those with Tim, but I think it was just different. So. Do you remember feeling like it's okay, like at times frustration even about that? Yes. Because, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And how? what about, what's your perspective on that? Do you remember that? Um, mm -hmm. What that felt like for you? Yeah, it, it's, it's like the... Because I'm not a woman, and I'll never be, never carry a baby or any of that stuff. It's hard to understand the connection that she had, and I realized that. So I had to come up with other ways to kind of, I don't know, show her that not only do I care, and I, you know, I, you know, I love Jackson and I love her and those things, but like, kind of push through more than just words and whatever. 
like how can I push through to help her understand like that it, this was meaningful this meant something to me too yeah so which led to all sorts of different things um, yeah it's been super helpful do you guys think it had an effect on your marriage in general for good like looking back um, like when you when you think about it you know when you get married there's all those processes right you you bond because you're married and you get your first house and you you go through all those stages. And you, in your case, you had three kids. Well, most people, you know, you don't expect to go through something like this. Because that's a trial, right? That's a trial for your marriage. Um, looking back, do you see, you both said it's been good. Do you, do you feel like in ways that brought you closer together? In, in ways? Does that make sense? Yeah. Or was there any effect at all? Um, I think it's definitely brought us closer together because there's probably nothing that we can't talk about now. And it's because, you know, God used moments like that mm. to kind of break through. And, you know, we can talk about different, you know, other deaths in the family or mm. other things that are, are going on. And so it has definitely helped us break through, in, you know, in that aspect without fear of, you know, we're going to offend each other or we're going to get mad at each other mm. or that kind of thing. Mm. So. so the story in a everyone at the church knows, but for those that may watch this later, so you mentioned him earlier. So then there's Miles, right, in a weird, cool way. Um, man, what a blessing. Do you want to, like, how many years after that, or what kind of that story? Just a little bit. Mm -hmm. I, I don't even, how old is he now? It's crazy for me to He's think. He's almost four. Yeah. So, so it was fairly uh, soon after. Yeah, so we miscarried in February 2015, and then we got pregnant with him in August. Um, so... We actually went through, um, we almost lost him too, but it was at 12 weeks, so it was two weeks later. Um, it was literally a repeated cycle. I started bleeding again, so um, I went in immediately um, to see her, and um, she actually had to do surgery to stitch everything shut so that I would not have him prematurely because I was already dilating. Um, and like I said, that was at 12 weeks, so... Um, his whole pregnancy was a roller coaster ride because I felt like, okay, and it, my my faith was tested through the whole process because it was almost like just every time, you know, like just waiting for, you know, bleeding to occur or to go to a doctor's appointment and not hear a heartbeat or whatever. So I would almost have to just like, every time we'd hit like milestones, like, okay, I hit like 24 weeks, okay, I just need to hold off another six weeks and he'll be viable. He'll be in ICU, but be viable, you know, yeah. if something would happen. And mm. so it was literally, I would have to like process those moments, like just to make it seem like, okay, like this is real. Mm. Okay, you know, by the time then it got to the end, um, it was even fearful just going in to have the cerclage removed. Um, because it was almost like, well, what happens then if, um, you know, like he's stillborn or something? You know, like you just constantly think of something, what could go wrong? Mm. Um, but yeah, the birth went fine. But like he had said, I had complications post um, having him and I was hemorrhaging. Um, so that was just like another thing that just, but it was almost like once you had him in your hand, you just realize, okay, like I'm, I feel the best now that he's safe and he's in my arms. Like, yeah. It's just a crazy story. I would have never, I guess I didn't think about how scary the anxiety, the temptation to be anxious the entire time, mm -hmm. like you said. Like, when's the next? Yep. Okay, you know, there's part of you going, well, here it is. Here's the bad news, right? And then you, yeah, that would be tough. Mm -hmm. So looking back over, I guess, all of this, and, and it could be something together, or maybe 
it's best to speak to each of you. You know, when you look back over that journey, so the journey from Jackson to um, Miles, you know, that whole situation, looking back on it, what, I don't know, what did you learn? What did God teach you about himself, about his relationship with you? What, that kind of thing. I would say one of the biggest things is that I can't control everything. <laughs> and the fact that it's my wife, I can't control her outcome, like think any sort of outcome with her as well. And that's really difficult. Because um, I remember when Miles was born, like I, we mentioned or whatever, that like I was holding the baby, but then they were trying to stop the bleeding with her. And I was like, I can't be in both places at the same time. Yeah. And like, you know... I always think about that and like I just I have to trust I have to have faith because I can't do it even if I tried it, I, it can't happen so you know I'm still wrestling with the, that idea of having to trust fully but like he's definitely grown me in that area mm. through this whole thing um, you know with with my kids with her and the whole process so mm. Yeah, I would. I get that. What about you, Jill? What's kind of looking back? Um, I feel like um, God has shown Himself to me in so many, in a few, um, a certain situations um, with Jackson, um, just showing me His love and how much He cares for me. So just a couple like quick stories, just to kind of give you a hint at how good God is. Um, we actually had taken. Um, this would have been probably two or three weeks after I miscarried, um, Eli was doing um, ice skating lessons. And usually we sat down in the ice rink and I took the girls up um, overhead to watch them, watch them. And I was just like, I can't sit here today. Like I was just done, didn't want to do anything. Um, it was just one of those bad, bad days. Yeah. Um, and when we got up there, um, we ended up sitting beside, you could tell it was a grandma and a grandpa, and they had um, their two grandkids. And one of the girls had to go to the bathroom, and um, so I had gotten up, and I had left and left the one, one of the kids there with one of the grandkids that she had, that she was feeding another baby at the time. So um, I was like, oh, I'm just going to take her to the bathroom. She's like, oh, she can stay here and play, whatever. So when I got back, she was burping the baby, um, and on the um, on his burp rag had his name on it, and it um, literally spelling and everything. The baby's name was Jackson, and like to me, it was like my heart just sunk. And so I kind of like told her a little bit about my story, and just kind of like tearing up a little bit. And she was like, "Do you want to hold him?" And like to me at that moment, I was like, "Really?" And she's like, "Yeah." And I was like, sure, you know, so I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm holding him. And it was just like in that moment, it was like God telling me, like, you don't get to hold your baby Jackson, but here's a baby Jackson that you can hold. And I just remember walking out of there and just being like, just so emotional, just over the fact that like, God just places certain people in your life at certain moments um, in time just to show you how much he loves you. Um, so that was one. Um we had also um, decided instead of um, taking the baby home and uh, burying him um, that we would send him off for pathology since I was running a fever after I had him because they thought maybe I'd had an infection. Um, so when the pathology report came back, it showed that he had had um, 
like a genetic anomaly basically where his like so when you looked at his picture or just looked at him he looked normal but from the inside his intestines were flipped so um they won't actually revert at that point at the age that he was at so um for him he could have not he wouldn't have probably made it so whether or not i would have carried him full term or not mm-hmm. or i would have miscarried in between so um Along with that, I was getting a patient ready for surgery, and he was telling me about his daughter who was pregnant, and he said that was the only moment in time that he actually just regrets because he wasn't there for his daughter at the time, but she didn't know that the, her baby was the same same way. The intestines were flipped. Um, the baby didn't live no longer than, like, a couple days, and then she had to bury the baby. So, like... I just remember sitting in his room and and it was one of those like God moments where it was like, you thought that was hard. I'm protecting you because if you would have carried that one, I don't think I could have handled that. Mm -hmm. Um, So like that was another moment I called him and I was like, you are not going to believe this. Um, So it's just like God just connecting pieces of the story to make it make sense Um, because he knows I, you know, could not have handled all that information at one time. Um, So it's just, I don't know if you guys caught that. It's pretty crazy. Uh, <laughs> Jackson is not a common name, really, and particularly the spelling. And so, I mean, I heard that story, but then to hear it again is pretty surreal. Um, you know, I love the way that she said that. You know, you can't hold your baby. Well, here's one to hold, right? For no other reason than she needed that. Um, we've all had this, this moment, everyone in this room. You've had a moment when life seems to crash against the shores of pain, when the reality of the brokenness of this world, right, of, of, of invades our world. It's one thing to say that bad things happen and, and people get hurt and tragedy comes, but then when it breaks into your bubble, right, that's when it becomes very real. Tim says at the end of the video that you're not going to see here, but you, you go watch the whole thing um, when I give him a chance to speak. And really encourage you to go say that. He says, I remember this specifically. He says, our story isn't unique. And on the surface, that seems like, without context, you're going, well, that's taken away from what, what happened, right? You're, you're making it, but that's not the case. You see, he isn't just talking about the specific situation of losing a baby. He's talking about these moments. Listen to me. These moments that if you haven't had them, and I don't mean this scary, but it's reality, you will. These moments when we have hurt, when we have pain, when we have heartache, when we have suffering. That's a scary word, isn't it? Suffering. The thing about suffering is it's not a one-time thing. It's a process. You go through a process of suffering. Pain and suffering. This concept, the idea, C.S. Lewis calls it in his book, the problem of pain. It's our problem, that our faith can have a sticking point called pain. The problem of pain is perhaps one of the number one issues we have with the idea of God. Listen to me. People don't doubt the power of God. We doubt the character of God. Christians in and of themselves, most of the time, we don't doubt the power of God because we've already, whether we accept Christ, we've come to the stage 
that atheists and agnostics aren't where we can say there is a creator, a God. So it's not that we doubt the ability of a creator to move in our lives. What do we doubt? We doubt his character. I don't doubt that he's all powerful, but I'm not sure he's all good. Because if he was good, how could God allow all these atrocities? How can God let us hurt? Why do we have to see people we care about die? And why do bad things happen to good people, right? That, that age-old question. Pain, suffering, trials. How do we deal with that? And it doesn't matter. See, this is what's interesting about the Bible in Ecclesiastes. It says, the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. That sounds very depressing. Until you realize that God loves us enough to tell us the truth of our situation. We are not home. Listen to me. You are not home. How do we deal with pain and suffering and trials? You see, being a Christian is fun and it's good when good things happen. We praise His name and we sing songs to His goodness. But the moment that that ship called life crashes against the shore of pain, we begin to doubt that. We begin to question that. And listen, if you're in the room and you've been there, or maybe you're there now, question it. Don't feel shame in that. Don't feel shame in that. That's what it is to be human. One of the things about Christianity, there's many. It is the truth. It's the truth. Your belief or your lack thereof doesn't affect it. But one of the things I love about it is if you're going to make something appealing, If you're Jesus of Nazareth and you want to have followers, the most followers you can have, it makes sense to tell them that everything's going to be great if they follow you, right? In the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verse 33, before this, Jesus starts telling them, I love the book of John, but there's a section where Jesus really, it's almost like you sense him filling them in on everything in life. Like what's coming, what it is to be a Christian, all of these things. And he, tells, he starts telling them some bad things. He said, listen, they're going to ha- hate you because they hated me. And, and uh, listen, they're going to scatter you. Right now you're together, but there's going to come a time that you're scattered. Bad things are going to happen. And then he says this in John chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. I have told you these things so that you may have peace. Why would telling us bad things, if you go read before, that are coming, why would that bring us peace? It brings us peace because if he was right about that, if he told us the truth, then you can rest assured that he's telling us the truth when he says, I have conquered the world. Now, why is that good news? Because Jesus, who says he has conquered the world, has also said, I will never lose one of you. I will never let you out of my hand. He goes so far as to say, no one can snatch you out of my hand ever. So if the one who has conquered, I love that word, right? I'm a guy. Oh, that's good. Conquered the world. 
holds on to you so tight that nothing can pull you from his grasp, then here's the good news. You have conquered as well. Be courageous. I love Jesus, guys. I, I love him because he is honest. He doesn't sugarcoat or lie or tell you if you do this, you'll be happy or tell you if you don't think about the bad things, then, then you can get through. He says, no, they're coming. Tough times are coming, but be brave because I've conquered the world and I am in you and you are in me. The Christian faith is made in the suffering. What do I mean by that? Because that's the crucible that reveals the depth of your faith. You know what crucible is? Hmm? Not the old witch way, right? That's what they used to say. It's what you take, you burn things to see the impurities, to separate the impurities. Here's the thing. When suffering comes, it reveals the talkers from the walkers. The problem with a gospel that lies to you and tells you that if you put your faith in Jesus, you'll never have another problem is that problems still come. And if, they, if we tell them that and those problems come, what do they think? I was lied to, right? You lied to me. What other areas did you lie you're in the room today, I'm not telling you about a Jesus who tells you that everything will be perfect when you put your faith in him. Hear me. I'm telling you about the real Jesus who says, regardless of whether you follow me, suffering will come. The promise I give you is that I will sustain you, right? Hold on to you and keep you through it. One of my favorite verses in my life, I think my story will be in here somewhere, and it, it will, this verse will come up again. Because I clung to this verse. Romans 8.18. Paul says, For I consider that the sufferings, there that word again, of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. Let's build on this. So if we put the Bible together, remember it's one story. Suffering will come. Be courageous. I've overcome it. And then more promises, more encouragement saying, but listen, even the suffering that's going to come, you can't even compare it to the glory I have for you, to the things that are coming. Have you ever seen those contests where they say, if you can touch the Lamborghini, whoever lets go, right? Whoever lets go last gets the Lamborghini. Anyone, raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, they'll do these contests and they'll get a bunch of friends, usually friends, right? That's funnier. Um, and you, you put these five guys or, or girls around a car, and everybody puts their hand on it, and then it just becomes a contest. You lose when you take your hand off. What makes somebody, because I've seen this, and listen, I'm stubborn, but I can see myself flipping the stubbornness going, I ain't doing this for nobody, right? You think you can do it. Six, some of you in this room are like, I could win right now. You wouldn't make it two hours. You wouldn't, because I know you. You're like squirrels, right? So what would make a person stay there for 42 or 48, 72 hours without eating, going to the bathroom, anything? These people are using the bathroom on themselves. What would make them do that? Let me tell you what's making them do that. Stay with me. The promise of what they're going to get if they withstand the suffering. So if we're willing to do that for a car, what are you willing to withstand if you truly believed that what's coming can't even be compared to that moment of suffering? That it's so good that the prize you're going to get at the end when you win, which by the way, you've already won, is not even going to be com 
comparable to it. Would you hold on? I bet I'll go get a new car right now. Some of you will put your hand on the car. Just a car. It doesn't even have to be new. If I come out and put a, a 2002 Ford Taurus, some of you are like, I'm in, right? Yeah. I'm not mocking you. I think I would too. What a, what a promise. Todd, why do I read the Bible? It's so boring. It's so dumb. Because if you don't, you miss these promises. These things that when I tell you this verse got me through moments I wanted to die, right? The only thing I had was the promise that, God, you have told me that there will come a time that this will seem like nothing because of the goodness that I have, right? And it's true. When I look back on that now, that's just a blip on my radar that if anything else points to him, he came through. On the topic of this, and then I'll wrap this together for you. So let me, let me stop before I give you this last one. What? Do you understand how Tim and Jill could continue then? See, they won't tell you that. They're going to think because they had doubts, I know, especially Jill. She's going to say because she had moments of doubt or questioning that it wasn't good enough. That's not true because her hand never left the car. You hear me? That's faith. Faith is not whether you're upset while your hand's on the car, right? Faith is saying, if I keep my hand here, I'm going to win a car. If I keep my faith in him, he is going to come through and keep his promise. Faith is nothing but trust in something that you haven't seen yet. Maybe they wouldn't have quoted these verses to you, but that's what they internalized, right? That's what they were living. That somewhere along their journey, and I didn't even get to this in it, Listen, by the way, as soon as I turned the camera off, Jill talked, told all this powerful stuff. I was, that's why, I don't know if you noticed me trying to get it out of her. I'm like, well, what are you, because I knew. Soon, I didn't even tell the cameras off. It's like she inherently knew, okay, I'm not taped. Right? Yeah, it's true. But even that, man, what a story. I know my tendency sometimes is that I can't see past the moment. I'm so mad, right? Why did this happen to me? Kobe Bryant just died, right? Some people in this room are shook, right? The world was shook. Why? You think about it? Well, he's a basketball player. Listen, whenever something like this happens where everyone is, is in shock or they're hurting, listen to me. I'm, I, I, I encourage you to look past the surface and ask yourself why it's bothering them so badly. Listen, I'm not saying Kobe Bryant, the Mamba, right? As a, I appreciated him as a competitor. You know, Brandon, that's his favorite guy. I used to always tell Brandon, one thing I loved about him is that guy didn't quit, right? He didn't quit. But at the end of the day, that's not what shook me. That's not what's shaking the world or making them think about it. What it reminds them of, what deep down in our souls, it doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter the money you have, doesn't matter your, your fame, that when the helicopter of life is going down, we are all equal. He was immortal to me, right? Like, it's Kobe Bryant. And he died. And when he woke up that morning, he didn't think he was going to die. The moment as you're going down and he has to look at his 13-year-old daughter, what do you say? That's what I was telling the guys, right? And he and I were talking this week. That's him dying, that moment scared. But to me, what do you say? There was a moment, whether it was five seconds, 0.5, where he knew this is going down and my daughter's crying and all you want to do is make her feel better. What do you do? 
When something like this happens, it wakes the world up to the reality of suffering. Now, we should always be aware of it, right? We see it everywhere, right? People, we hear about war and all these things, but for so, I, I'm not sure yet. I don't have the answer, but something about someone like this and the way that it happened wakes us up. Humanity, whether they believe him or not. I think of his wife. Those three kids that are still left, right? And the suffering they are living in right now. Because when the lights fade, and nobody's talking about the mamba anymore, guess who's still crying? Just because the camera's off doesn't mean the suffering stops. What do you do with that? 1 Peter 5, 7, another, just these little things. It's actually talking about context is important. He uh, is telling us, Peter's telling us uh, essentially how to live again in this chapter and, and what to do, don't be haughty towards others, be humble. And then he says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. And then he says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. What a good God. That he knows that I'm telling him they're going to suffer. They're not going to know when. That's going to make him anxious. <laughs> That's going to make him scared. When those moments come, they don't know how it's going to end. Tim said and spoke for many of us when he said, I learned I couldn't control anything. That's another moment I haven't even told the two of them. I, I put myself there, my wife could be dying, I'm holding my baby, I can't be two places at once, because in his mind, there's probably some bit of thing that if I can be there, I can make sure this is okay, and if I can hold him, I make sure this is okay, and you got to come to the realization that I have zero control here. That's faith. That's when you cast your anxieties and say, God, I'm not God, handle this. I had a powerful picture as they were telling this story. That's why this called, you know, that she gets an opportunity. Man, what a beautiful Tim talks about this too at the end of the video. I'm hyping it so you go watch it. And he talks about these moments where God's moving in your life. Did you know that? So you don't think God moves in the little moments. You don't think that was God that said, hold this baby? Hold, that was God. That, listen, if I put mathematically, figure out the, the probability of this happening at the exact moment in some roller rink, skate, ice park with an old lady who could have went anywhere at any time, that, that, that's, it's ridiculous to even consider a coincidence. And then the reminders of it could have been worse. I'm protecting you. Don't worry, I've got him. You take care, I'll take care of him. When we are at our most anxious, in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our pain, when the trials come, what is Jesus really saying when he says, I won't let go of you? For me, for whatever reason, I've always thought of it as a hand, right, holding me. But what if it's him holding me? Right? What if it's him holding me? I'll never let you go. Because he won't. The temptation in these moments are to tell you that everything that's happening in your life right now, the pain that you're wrestling with, the struggle, all of those things, that it's going to work out the way that you want, I can't promise you that. I would be a liar. And there are times, guys, I could cry right now that things happen to you. People in this room I love, and I don't have the answer. One of my biggest fears is someone comes in and asks me a question, and I look at them and say, I don't know. It seems cruel to me. Until I remember that he sees a much bigger picture than I do. And that we view this as life. You understand? AJ said, like, this is not life. This is just a blip on the radar of eternity. 
and that he sees eternity. We grieve when people pass away. We grieve when we lose people. Right? But if it's someone who knows the Lord, what an incredible thing to know that for eternity, like they're probably, if they could, I don't think they can, right? Be sad right now, they're too happy, but they'd feel sorry for us, right? Speaking of which, we said this, I don't know, but we have to take Kobe Bryant at his word. It said he took communion that morning. That's what people say. Well, Todd, he did this, he did that. All I know is he took communion, and communion to me tells me he believed in Jesus Christ. So that tells me that while we're down here Mourning the loss of a father and a daughter, they're not mourning anymore. I can tell you guys in my own life, there are moments, I can, I can tell you, it's going to sound weird, I was, in a, I was in a bathtub actually, in a moment in my life when I was so depressed, there wasn't a shower, I would have showered anyway, and I know God held me that day, I know he did, and I'm a big guy and I don't, like, I don't want any of you holding me, but that was comforting to know that he was there, and there was a promise of I'm going to get you through this. And you're going to be better for it. There's so many verses I could give you. There's a verse that this is a promise. That he will work out all things for the good of those who believe according to his purposes. So what do you take from this? I, I can't promise you that's going to work out the way you want. Here's what I can promise you. You ready? The first one's not very good. I can tell you unequivocally that you will have trials in this world. You'll have moments of from small, maybe you're, it's financial. Because let me tell you something. In the big scheme of life, your financial problems, they don't matter. Because on your deathbed, you're not going to think about that. But it could be finances, and it could be all the way to the loss of a child or a spouse or whatever else. There will come trials and tribulations. That's the first promise. But that can give you peace. Because if God was right about that, then the second promise is true too, that one, what you have to look forward to in him is so, so much more amazing that you won't even think about this time. You'll still grieve them and miss them, but the glory that's coming, that the beautiful verse at the end of Revelation, the promise that it tells us, like this isn't poetic, it says God says this to us, I will wipe away every tear. There will be no more crying or pain or death anymore. Behold, the old is gone, the new has come. That's a promise. There will be a time when the Father wipes our tears and says, you don't have to cry ever again. And when that happens, all of these things won't matter. The third promise I have for you is that he cares for you. Okay? He cares for you. And that the promise is, I don't know how. If you ask me then, in, in my story, how, you know, to look ahead and think of a time when I didn't hurt the way that I hurt, I would have told you you're crazy. He will sustain you. He will uphold you. And he'll get you through. Todd, how can you, I promise you, he will get you through. Because he doesn't lie. Because if he did, why wouldn't he lie about the part about suffering? I would. I'm going to sell you on something. I'm not going to tell you bad things are happening. Hey, buy this car. It's going to break down, right? I'm not going to do that. She's going to come play some music. And listen, I don't need to talk a lot and preach. Their story preached and God's word preaches. But this is what I want to tell you, my friends. Listen, some of you are grieving right now. I know for a fact some in this room are grieving uh, the passing of a loved one. 
the grieving people in their life who are going through very serious illnesses. That it's not a matter of if they'll pass away, it's a matter of when. Right? We all should live in that moment, but it's different, isn't it? It's different when you know, when the doctor's looking in the face and says, ah, we can't do anything. Some of you, you think, you think your stuff doesn't matter because I don't, like, you know, maybe you're hurting from, if you're young in this room in high school or whatever else, it may sound like I'm telling you that the pains you're going through aren't a big deal, but pain's subjective. You know what that means? It means that the hurt you're going through, no one can tell you that doesn't hurt. They, they can't tell you that because, listen, we could all keep trumping ourselves then, right? That the pain you're going through, the pain you hide, the tears you cry at night, those matter to the Father. That He's sitting there with you, that He won't let you go, that He loves you where you're at, that even though it seems like you're lost, even though you can't see a way out of this, even though it feels so overwhelming, that the promise is, I will never let go of you. to take these moments look in the Bible but I can say it in your lives to take these moments that are meant for such misery and pain and turn them around to encourage help heal and glorify him and draw people to him that's incredible imagine that that doesn't matter the mess we make I just imagine bringing him this broken thing he's like that's okay I can fix this it's not going to look the same but I can fix this It'll be better than what you had before. Pain's a real thing. Suffering's a real thing. I'm not going to give you a cop-out answer. I don't know. And I'm not going to lie. There's times that I don't know. I have to go to him and tell him, Lord, I don't know what you're doing. and I don't like it. But I know this. I know that he's good and that he keeps his promises. So I don't know where you're at today in this room. Listen to me. Let everybody else fade from your view. I'm talking to you. Whatever you're going through that seems so impossible to move through, that you've given up any hope of getting over the pain, you've just kind of buried it and it's still there, right? But as long as you don't show it to anyone else but yourself, then at least you can go through your day take today and you cast that on him you stop hiding it you tell him it hurts you quit saying no I'm, I'm okay and you're bleeding he's like do you do you want me to look at it no I'm fine this time this altar time you know I, I, I tell a lot of our guys they know this it's kind of come over a lion heart thing whether we know it's one that twice but like, this is holy ground this is the temple the spirit of the living God is here reality Jesus himself said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I will be also. He's here. So whatever you're going through, these, these brief moments, five, seven, ten minutes, why don't you cast your anxieties on him? Why don't you lay him at the foot of the cross? I mean that. It's not cliche. It's not, I, I hate when Christianese makes beautiful things cliche. It's still true. There'll be people up here ready to pray with you, pray for you. There's scripture about that. Do you know that? I don't bring it up a lot. Why? Well, Todd, why do you have people pray? It says, go and pray with each other. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful. 
something about that. So I don't know what you're going through today, but I promise you this. He sees you. He cares. And he'll never let go of you. And he's going to hold you close to him. So whatever you do today, make this time count. And if you're in this room and you don't know Jesus, listen, stop lying to me and yourself. Look at your arrogance for a second. I don't mean that mean. Some of you like sitting here going, well, I, you can feel it. You keep coming back. It's like, I don't believe in him. But you keep getting drawn here for a reason. That's because he's talking to you. And the reason you don't go to him is because for some odd reason, you think you're doing a real good job of dealing with your suffering. And whatever addiction you're using to cover it, how's it working out for you? It's not because at the end of the day, you're still here in this room right now searching for something. And that's something only God himself can give you. The gospel is real simple. It's not about cleaning yourself up first. You can't do it. You can't make yourself perfect. It's about being in relationship with the holy God. And the only way to be in relationship with the holy God is to have your mistakes and your sins forgiven and to be holy as he is holy. Well, I can't do that, Todd. I got to get it all fixed up. I can't do it either. Today, I didn't do it. I can tell you a hundred ways I did it. Here's the promise. Jesus Christ, God made man, came down and lived life, showed us how to live, and on the cross died thinking of you, taking your sins, taking your punishment. And this incredible thing happens, this transaction. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Come to me. Put your faith in me, and I will take your sin, and I will give you the benefits of my holy life, and you will be with me forever. And guess what? I will hold you, and I'll never let you go. You don't have to live in fear anymore. Anxiety. Whatever you do today, really consider that. So how do I do it, Todd? The Bible says, confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead and you will be saved. Saved from what? Separation from him. Hell. It's a real thing. Whatever you do today, don't leave the same as you came in because if you do, you're choosing to.